questions. We just want to welcome you again over on Facebook. We've been saying hello to some, looking down at my phone, hello to some, some friends on, on Facebook that are joining us um, and here on Zoom as well, church family. We're so glad to have you with us. These slow down Sundays that we've, we've done through part of July and through August, um, they're called that because uh, we just had a sense that it, it was a good time to reflect and share with you some principles that we began to learn on a sabbatical break that we had the privilege of, of taking last summer. A year ago, right now, we were walking the Camino de Santiago across the north of Spain. I think we were on... Well, just a little bit of it. Yeah, just, just one part of it. So we're on our second day of walking today. Um, we walked 26 kilometers um, to a, a beautiful t little town called Castro Udiales in Spain. And we got up four flights of steps to the room we were staying in. And Kaz lay on the bed and said, I'm not going to be do, it, do any more days of, of this. We'll have to catch the bus. Um, so a long way. You, you may think when you hear they walk the Camino that it was this wonderful romantic moment. But we were just thinking, how can we even get out of bed tomorrow morning? Um, so that was a year ago. We were on this sabbatical break, part of which we walked the Camino. And uh, we just felt that a year on, we, we wanted to share some of the principles uh, that a year ago we thought, these are going to change everything. They're going to change our lives. And, and you, you know, in some ways they have, but we also realize, as you well know, that, that it's really hard to change the habits of a lifetime um, and to find again, and, and not just to find, but to continue in some of the simple rhythms of life that Jesus invites us to walk with him in, in discipleship. Um, and he does invite us to walk with him in discipleship. A number of times on these uh, evenings, we looked at Matthew 11, where Jesus says, hey, come to me. All you, come, come, you hit you closer, come, uh, come to me, all you, you who are heavy laden and burdened, I'll give you rest. And he uses this agricultural language, walk with me, be yoked into me, find the rhythms of my grace, I think is the message translation uh, puts it. And so we, it's one thing to re-encounter those rhythms of his grace, but it's another thing in our busy 21st century lives to continue to walk in them. Uh, and so we, we just thought we'd, we'd take some time out on these Sunday evenings to worship and to share some of these principles and, and just to think again, I wonder if we could only take some steps in this, what fruit it might produce in our, our lives. So we've been looking just very honestly and recognizing um, what it means over a couple of sessions before this, um, recognizing that in many respects, we lived as though there were no limits in our lives. And uh, we looked at that from the scriptures and from our own story. And then tonight and the following three Sundays into August, we're looking at um, silence and solitude, um, Sabbath, simplicity, and slowing down. I could only think of four that began with S, so it became a four-part end to the series. Um, <laughs> so uh, tonight, um, we're, we're going to look at silence and, and solitude. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this beautiful time of worship, these rich words. We thank you again for this invitation to come and walk with you. Just we're remembering now in our heads that walk a year ago, how beautiful it was just to walk side by side, to reconnect with one another, to have nothing to do each day, but to walk, to talk, to listen. And uh, God, we, that, that just speaks of something even greater that you invite us into with you. And so I pray for my friends here tonight that are watching now, those that will catch up later this week uh, on, on YouTube and on Facebook. Oh, oh Holy Spirit, would you just, um, again, bring a fresh invitation, a fresh desire. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We long for this deeper intimacy. Come and speak to us tonight. Amen. So silence and solitude. Dallas Willard, um, a beautiful writer. Uh, he's with the Lord now. Um, he said, 
silence and solitude are the two most radical disciplines of the Christian life. Um, I, I think they're so radical that, uh, that, that few people in our busy, noisy Western culture practice them at all, or even realize that they're of any real value. Uh, that's how radical these two um, uh, disciplines for Christians are. I've just been reflecting and realizing that, that um, for many of us, particularly in our Christian tradition, um, we see silence and solitude as a negative. Um, we've, some of us have discovered silence and solitude in new ways, even through the, this lockdown period. It's been forced on us in our lives. We've experienced the forced dislocation from friends and family and church community. Um, Maybe some of you have experienced that who are watching tonight through um, circumstances of life, through grief, through divorce, through death, through family breakdowns and relational disappointments. Um, people like me through COVID have tasted for the first time what, what some of you endure in your lives all the time. And as I say, it's a state from which most of us want to flee. We want to run away from it. Um, the end of lockdown, as, as lockdown began to get eased, we, we were celebrating um, now we're at a point where, oh, they may be tightening things up again. We feel again the groan in our spirits of, oh, we just want to be together. We just want to hug and, uh, and be close in community. Surely silence and solitude are not healthy. They're not things to embrace. It's not stuff we aspire to. Much of what we do in our work in serving the town with the kingdom of God, um, in lifting up the poor in spirit, in binding up the brokenhearted, is, is helping and serving those who are in isolation. Um, and in loneliness, uh, things like Tea at Revive, some of the precious older people we meet at Tea at Revive um, uh, that, that you, you find when you listen to their stories. Wow, they only come out of the house for this. We are the only people they meet outside of their front room in, in the week. And, uh, and that, that kind of solitude is not something that we crave or aspire to. But please don't make the mistake when we speak about uh, silence and solitude as a spiritual discipline. Uh, don't, don't mistake that for this. Um, if you see what I'm saying, it's not a negative in the way that we're speaking about it tonight. I think even the world around us, um, and again, I'm just speaking, if you're watching this in, in the Southern Hemisphere, um, in Asia, in Africa, uh, maybe this is not particularly such an issue for you, but in our Western culture, um, even the noisy world around us realizes, oh, there are times where we just need to dial down. There's been a craze in the last 10, 15 years for things like mindfulness, um, mindfulness really is just, uh, it's, it's just solid solitude and silence for secular people, um, but without the center point of encountering the life-giving presence of Jesus. It's got everything else you need, but it doesn't lead you to Jesus Christ. But even our secular culture recognizes there's a need just to declutter our minds, to kind of de-stress, to slow down, to kind of focus and center on, on things. Pete Gazzaro, who we've been quoting a a few things from and, and recommending his, his books. I it's, it's packed in a bag because we're, we're sneaking away for a few days. Uh, but, uh, so I'm waving an imaginary <laughs> book, Pete Scazzaro, uh, on his emotionally healthy discipleship. He says, solitude is the practice of quieting every inner and outer voice to attend to God. I'll just say that again. Solitude is the practice of quieting every inner and every outer voice to attend to God. Henri Nouon, I, I love the way Henri Nouon uh, writes. He says, without solitude, it's almost impossible to live a spiritual life. Anyone feeling bad yet that thinks, oh, I need more solitude in my life after all? Without solitude, it's almost impossible 
to live a spiritual life. We don't take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set time aside to be with God and to listen to him. I, I think in our, in our super hyper connected lives, um, solitude is, is like, it, it's such a jolt for us. It's such a shock. It's so counterculture. It's like a kind of fasting for us. In, in fact, when we have our, our, our weeks of prayer and fasting through the year, we do one at the start of each term. We've, in fact, we've got 20 days of prayer and fasting planned for, uh, for September when we come back for the autumn term. And, and uh, one of the things you may notice we always encourage is, hey, you may want to experiment in fasting from food while you pray, but certainly we encourage fasting from things like social media and Facebook and TV and noise and all those kinds of things. It, it's because it's such a countercultural issue for us as disciples of Jesus in, in the West. Uh, it was never an issue in the same way before the 2000s. Um, but now even when I'm alone, um, th there's no danger of boredom. I was thinking about holiday journeys when I was a boy. And they've, they've linked creativity to boredom. Some of the best inventions, some of the greatest songs were written, some of the most amazing poetry. Um, that they, they, those things were thought of on boring car journeys to Devon <laughs> when your parents had a radio station on that you didn't like and you were in the back with your head bumping against the window trying to spot yellow cars. These days it doesn't happen because we've got this little device in our pockets that links us to the world and we find hours have gone by and we've done nothing but we've been busy on our phones. Um, there's no danger of isolation anymore. I've got this magic thing in my pocket. Life never leaves me. And, and so we, we lose the ability just to be present in the moments with my family, present with my friends, present in church. Uh, it's going to be a challenge for us, I think, when we come back to physically meeting on Sundays. Those of us who've been meeting in church with our phones or our iPads in front of us, it's going to be hard, I think, to to put our devices away for some of us and just be present with people. Imagine just being present with God in a quiet time. Even just being present, I think Scazzaro spoke about the two voices, the outer voices, the noise, and the inner voice of my, my own noise, my own internal dialogue. Just being present and aware of my own spirit, the things that my own heart is saying without any of these distractions. Can you imagine? So just a couple of things on silence. And then we'll look at solitude and we'll, we'll do some application and pray together. Am I speaking to anyone yet? Uh, or is it, is it just us again? There we are. That's, that's good. There's a few of us waving. Um, in our tradition of church, we, again, we rarely practice um, silence. We, we, we've said we live in this noise of world, uh, uh, this world of noise and distraction. We're like addicts to noise. I, I am. Uh, I, I bring that into my devotional life, our prayer, our worship. I realized I, I was thinking on these notes earlier in the week while I was having a quiet time in the church office, the quiet time involved having some music where my speakers were turned up to pretty much full volume. It was great. It was a good worship song, but I, it just made me laugh. I thought, here I am in a quiet time with the music so loud that people in other offices down the corridor can hear it with my door closed. That's not a quiet time, folks. Um, it may be a beautiful time, but it's not quiet. Don't mistake it for silence before the Lord. Um, studies show by psychologists and the like that groups of people can only stand 15 seconds of silence before it gets too awkward. It's a long time, isn't it? Anyone feeling awkward yet? <laughs> I, I, when I thought of doing that, I thought I'd better count on my fingers because you'll think he's frozen 
the connection's <laughs> gone because we just have everything instant don't we no no pause oh, it's just painful particularly in church I'm, I'm one of those leaders who will always jump in i'm trying to catch the worship leader's eye it's hard on zoom no don't stop there for goodness sake do something it's probably only been five seconds um again there is silence that is awkward there are moments where we do want to keep flowing with what god's doing and saying there is a time and the scriptures provoke us in this where we say i will not be silent awake my soul and sing there are times to declare there are times to make a joyful night noise and there are times to absolutely go for it but we know ecclesiastes 3 tells us there's a time to speak and a time to be silent and what we're talking about tonight is this valuable spiritual discipline that's been largely lost in our culture we're talking about a not something awkward but a different quality of silence altogether one that is rich and heavy with the presence of God, one that enables us just to rest, to listen, to be present with him. So with that in mind, Cassie, you're going to take us through a few little scriptures on yes. silence. Let's go on a whistle-stop tour through some scriptures. Now, I've got them already written out, but if you want to jot down the, um, the text, you can have a read yourself at some other time. So the first one, Psalm 131, verse 2. It says, but I have stilled my quietened soul like a weaned child with its mm. mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Wow, oh, we can all imagine that, can't we? We've all seen a child that has been fed and that is content, that stillness that that child has. And next one, Exodus 14, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Here we are again, stillness in the scriptures. And you know, too many times I think that uh, we actually take things into our own hands because we become impatient. Those 15 seconds don't last long. We're impatient to fight for ourselves. But God says, be still. What is stillness? A deep silence, a not fretting, a calmness. How about Psalm 37 verse 7? Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's a word, isn't it? Patience. The dictionary says that patience is to accept or to tolerate delay. Oh, interesting. Tolerate delay. I'm not sure I do that so well. Problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Wow. So be patient for the Lord. Psalm 46 verse 10 one we may all know quite well be still and know that yeah. i am god wow what does that mean he is god the one who always was and is and always will be the one who's in authority the one who has no rival the one who is faithful and trustworthy be still and know that he is god yes psalm 62 verse 5 find rest my soul in God alone, my hope comes from him. Wow, let's put our trust in God, our God, our heavenly father, not in the systems of this world, not in people around us, but in him alone. Find rest in him. And, and this one here, this is slightly different. Um, 1 Kings 19 verse 12. 
we read Elijah in some very noisy experiences. Actually, I'm going to read verse 11 as well. It says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Hmm. Imagine. Anyway, then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Hmm. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. A whisper. Wow. When I was reading that in this week, I was so touched that I just put everything down. Just the sense of God, the creator of all things. Wow, in a whisper. But what is a whisper? In scripture, you know, it talks about the sound of silence. But how do we hear silence? <laughs> it's a strange one, isn't it? There are two types of silence, as Steve was saying earlier. We've got the silence that's external, so we can turn all the noises off. But if you're anything like me, when the noises turn off, your head starts. Mine does, anyway. There's that inner noise and conversation and you can be oh I can anyway be really trying hard to be concentrating on God and I'm here and I'm there and it's noisy wow we need to find that solitary place and that silence with Jesus yeah okay yeah it's beautiful so and I, and I think that's why solitude and silence go so well together because just to be quiet isn't enough like as he says then we're in a place now where we can begin to process our own thoughts and our own inner voice but with the point of going beyond to hear him speak in deep into our spirit so let's just look briefly at solitude we'll, we'll put these um scriptures on silence and solitude up on the church facebook page afterwards so if you i know we're rattling through them if you want to look at them yourself and take a bit more time you can do so um Again, as we said earlier, solitude is forced on many through circumstances of life. But we're, we're talking here about a, an accompaniment to silence that is a spiritual discipline to train us and to wean us off our addiction to noise and people and the distractions that, that truly prevent us hearing God speak. Jesus modeled this example so well uh, up the mountain, across the lake, into the wilderness um, Kazi will go through some of those scriptures, I think, in, in a moment. And again, reflecting my life in comparison, um, I have days like I see with Jesus in the scriptures. He was with people all day. I'm with people all day. I'm a people person. I'm energized. Um, but but why do I think I can do it um, differently to Jesus and pretty much every other saint down through church history who are not just with people all day, but have learned the value of getting away to be with the Lord so that they can fill up again on his presence. Again, we've said this many times, you, you can't give out of what you don't have. You can't live beyond the limits of your capacity. How do I increase my capacity? How do I fill my tanks with what I need to, to live for the Lord and to serve others? I, I've got to get alone and be with Jesus. That was the example that he gave. 
I'm, I'm not talking about some some weird existence. Again, you can read back through church history. When I, when I teach on church history, I love speaking about Simon of Stylites, one of those monks that went and fled the pagan world and lived in the desert up on a 25 foot pole for 27 years. Um, there are saints that hold that 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 brick themselves up in caves uh, or in or in churches, uh, so they saw nobody. Um, we, no, we're not called to live like that. We we live in the world, not in isolation from it. But imagine if we lived in this busy, heavily populated town. I'm looking out my front window and I can see three, four, five front windows of other people's houses. It's impossible for me to go out anywhere and not see another person. Imagine if we live in a town like this, but we have ways of being alone with Jesus Christ. You're thinking about your own life right now. For, for me, for both of us really, but I'm, I'm the one speaking, so let me tell you, the sabbatical last year was like a, a detox from connecting with people in the wrong way. Um, partly it was, it's my heart, I realized, that was exposed. Um, I, 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 want, I want to help people. In some cases, I, I may even have something that can help you. I may have some word or encouragement that might just be of some use. And then, of course, you follow that on, you see it in guys like me that are pastors all the time, but I'm indispensable. I, I need to be involved in this situation. If I'm not in the thick of it, then it, it may not work out the same way. Or, or maybe, and again, here are some ugly things that are exposed in our hearts. If I'm not in the thick of it, I, I may be overlooked. Maybe they won't ask me again. Um, maybe I'm, I'm feeling inadequate. I think, well, if, if, I, if I'm not with them all the time, maybe the church won't feel they're getting their money's worth from me. All these things, these motivations, they're down in our hearts. They're ugly. They're rooted in, in pride, essentially. Um, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. <laughs> wow. I'm looking again at Jesus at the moment of, uh, you know, if you were Jesus's agent, at the moment of his opportunity for fame and breakthrough, the crowds are running towards him. Jesus would say, no, thank you. And he'd leave the crowds and go the other way. I realized looking at my heart, oh, my tendency is to look at the crowds and run towards them. Isn't that what we're here for? Um, in my world, I think, well, I've done really well. I've squeezed a 30 minute Bible and prayer slot into my busy schedule so I can run at the day ahead. And I don't realize as I'm running hard on my own energy that Jesus, who started the day with me, is, is, oh, he's turned aside. He's stopped. He's, he's beckoning me to come and sit down with him for a moment. That's really annoying. He just wants me to sit with him. I've got things to do and places to go and people to see. When we started the sabbatical last year, Kaz insisted that our first few weeks, yeah, we need a simple structure. Um, we, we prayed together a little bit. We read the Bible. We went through some of this emotionally healthy stuff. But she said, you just need to stay away from people. You need to do a big gear change. Um, we had a few days on the beautiful Greek island of Kos. We had some quiet days at home. Uh, I lived with uh, the monks at Worth Abbey in community for a few days. It, even for me realizing that I, I just, I deliberately just took one, I take loads of photos every day. I took one photo a day. Um, so that I had to think about even that. I was trying to force myself to slow down and think differently and really live in the moment it may sound silly to you but for me it was quite a difficult thing to do as we said earlier we walk the camino we walk slowly I, I, we both run i run lots of races every run we do is measured on these metrics um uh minutes per mile altitude heart rate cadence length of stride get home you download all your stats you see how you're doing we walk the camino and we we didn't measure anything we weren't against the clock. We walked slowly. We stopped 
to look at birds in a tree or look out at sea or just stare at stuff for a while or talk or sing old songs or laugh or be quiet or have a snooze. Um, there were places in the distance that we realized, wow, they take a long time to get to. A single task can, can take all day. This kind of stuff was a slow adjustment to my broken life and helping me back again into a quiet dependency on Jesus. I think when we get to slowing down in a couple of weeks, maybe we'll look at some more of that as well. I think that's quite helpful for, for all of us. Um, I look back now, I think some of the best days of my sabbatical were when I was with the monks at, at Worth Abbey. I, I literally had nothing to do. Um, but the monks wouldn't talk to me, not because they didn't want to, they weren't allowed to, other than after lunch for half an hour. The rest of the time they don't talk to you. Um, I had no phone signal, so my phone was useless. So I, I walked, um, I prayed, I had afternoon naps, I read through Isaiah and made some notes. I sat in their prayer garden and I listened and I thought about stuff. Uh, I sat in that beautiful Worth Abbey church. Uh, I just rolled through the day in and out of the gentle rhythms of prayer that they do at set hours. Um, no danger of not social distancing in that great big vast church dome. Um, in the gloom of the night prayers, the last ones before bed, there I was watching these monks chanting, relaxing in the long pauses, more than 15 seconds of silence between the prayers, the gaps in the liturgy, maybe occasionally nodding off. And I was jolted out of my world of noise and people, uh, uh, allowed the noise and the heart, uh, the noise of my own heart and my own mind just to settle like dust and to come to a place of rest. Uh, I, I felt like that first psalm you read about a weaned child who's just satisfied now, resting with a parent. And I began to feel his presence, his deep love for me. I began to hear his voice. Just some scriptures on solitude and then we'll pray. Yeah, so I, I like to know how. How do we do these things? It's all very well talking about it, but give me some practical. And the scriptures are so good for practical advice. And, and we see here. So let me, again, I'll read through them. Luke 4 42 says at daybreak Jesus went out to a solitary place the people were looking for him and when they came to where he was they tried to keep him from leaving them Jesus went away from people it almost feels a little bit rude doesn't it to walk away from people that's what I feel but no Jesus took himself off and away as revival breaks out he leaves the secluded space how about in Luke 5, verse 15? And yet news spread about him all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I mean, again, we're looking here. Jesus is doing some amazing things. There are crowds of people. He's, he's teaching them. He's sharing the good news of what his life will mean for all these people. He's healing their sicknesses, but he takes himself away. Mark 6, 31. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That's practical. That's so down to earth, isn't it? They were really busy. There were crowds probably jostling the, the disciples and, and Jesus. He said, come. He saw they needed rest. Come away. Let's go. There were so many people. 
And actually, when you read on from that little verse there in Mark 6, um, you find that a bit later on, the, the crowds come and find them anyway. And he, Jesus ends up feeding the 5,000. And then he puts his disciples on a boat to escape the crowds again. A place of solitude is a good place. Crowds are great. Healing the sick is fabulous, but solitude is good for us. Yeah. And uh, this quiet place of solitude, this rhythm we've talked about, it wasn't a, a, a once in a lifetime sabbatical experience for Jesus. There are enough of these little verses like, of the like that Cassie's just read mm. to show us. It was an ongoing pattern, an ebb and a flow in his life, a spiritual discipline. What about us, friends? Uh, here on Zoom, watching on Facebook, catching up this week. What about us? I know for many of us, we just live with an underlying sense of feeling a little bit distant from God, losing sight of our own purpose and calling, chasing around after the urgent every day. Um, maybe a sense of just low level buzz of anxiety um, in, in, in our lives. Um, trying to catch up and never quite feeling like we're getting there. Some of us will wake up exhausted, um, even though we've had a night's sleep. We're wishing it was Friday on a Monday. We're, we're, we're getting our feet out of bed in the morning and saying, I can't wait to get back into bed tonight before we even started the day. Uh, am I speaking to anyone else here tonight? I can see one or two, yeah. Um, and then of course the danger is we turn to some of the easier, more accessible comforts rather than going the narrow pathway to escape into God. We escape into, uh, you can fill in your own blanks, too much TV, um, just drinking a bit too much. Maybe it's sex either actually or on the internet. Maybe you just buy more stuff than you need to make yourself happy. Perhaps you overdose on exercise. Um, maybe you overeat. Maybe it's just drown yourself out with social media and other people's lives. Fill in your own blanks, as I say. But will we be brave enough to follow Jesus, to put down these empty ways, to take up his invitation, to be with him and, and to use silence and solitude to help us. What does it look like? I appreciate you may be saying it's great, mate. You've you got a sabbatical. You were paid for three months to stay away from people. I, I don't have that, that privilege. It's a lovely principle, but my life doesn't look like yours. Well, I, of course, and I'm very grateful for the privilege, um, but it is a kingdom principle. We've seen the example of Jesus. So we mustn't dismiss it and we dare not miss it. Uh, of course, um, it's going to be hard because we've got to persevere through the pain of adjusting our lives to start with. We've got loads of bad habits to undo. But is it so hard for all of us to say, I'm going to start with something? Even tomorrow to say, I'm going to just start with a few minutes. I'm going to find in my life. And, and again, we don't want to be prescriptive and say, here's how we'll do it, church, because even looking around the Zoom tonight, I'm looking at people who have uh, kids and families, people who are retired, people who are, uh, are working at different shifts and different days of the uh, uh, different times of the day and night. There's no pattern that will fit all of us, but the principles are transferable in all of our lives. How are we going to do that? To look around and notice Jesus beckoning us to turn aside, to be with him. This week, um, I, I just took 10 minutes out uh, in the middle of the day and took a little walk outside from the church office and just prayed. I said, Lord, I, I just want your presence. I've, I've, I've gone through this week so busy. I just I want your presence for a few minutes. Later that day, I was in a, in a meeting um, praying with the staff team and, and I, I just 
had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that I haven't had for a little while. Um, and I felt the, the Lord's presence come upon me so powerfully. It was it's hard to put into words. It was, I was just aware of his presence. It was beautiful. It was very sweet. I, I felt so aware of, of, the, of the weight of his love. I had to mute my microphone because I just began to kind of cry out and, and speak out my love for him. How, how about you this week? I believe the Lord heard me when I just took 10 minutes to say, God, I want more of you. It's no surprise that later that afternoon he said, hey, here I am. Thanks for asking. So uh, I, 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 you can, you can um, add in longer sessions as you go along. Maybe you can take a day off and, and put some time into your day off. Maybe you even want to build a quiet day into your holiday. But it starts around, I still think, the, the well-named quiet time, which I think should make a little bit of a comeback in our in our lives we, we've said this slow down series isn't about bolting on a quiet time or oh yeah of course really it's all about reading your bibles and praying more well of course it is but we're talking about the heart behind it aren't we uh, and drawing into jesus and i'm so grateful for the the foundations of a simple quiet time have a think about your life have a think about your pattern your heart talk and pray with some of your friends in your small group with your family um try some things uh, try in the daytime, just stepping outside for 10 minutes, getting away from people. If you're at work and you, uh, maybe you need to say I'm having a cigarette break. I don't, do whatever works, I don't mind. They'll let you go for a cigarette break. So if, if, if you're saying it's a cigarette break with Jesus, that's okay. Uh, and uh, you don't need to smoke. You can just put it in your mouth and pretend. <laughs> and uh, no kids, don't try this at home. Uh, the point is, do something in your day that means you get to have a little bit of time where you can say, Jesus, here I am. I'm stilling my heart. I'm quietening my world. I've left my phone in the other room. I just want to hear you speak, or I just want to worship you. You can use your own words. And don't forget, as I say, the good old-fashioned quiet time. Cup of tea in the morning, open Bible, prayer, just quiet, maybe processing your thoughts. Maybe you read your Bible a bit and then walk a dog. Maybe you have to feed a baby and get kids to school and, and then manage to find five minutes to yourself um, to open up your Bible to sit in a chair before you then get on with all the jobs of the day. Whatever it is for you, let me say to you, disciple of Jesus Christ, I'll see you tomorrow in the quiet place. Amen.